I know the leagues. I know the teams. I know these players. I know this wonderful game called football. It's time for a value bet. Oh, this is when the cream rises to the top. This is when things get on. The largest sports wagering angles you need to know. Stats, records, rankings, weather. If the goalpost is tilted just a little bit. Value bet on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. You can bet your children's unborn children's children on these six games. Value bet. This is America's premier sports information program. Here's Jonathan Hood. It is time for Value Bet with me, Jonathan Hood, from the Cap and J. Hood Morning Show, 7 to 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and also the ESPN Chicago app. You know how much I love college football. If you don't know anything about me, you know how much I love college football. I love my college football Saturdays. And, of course, every week we get a chance to talk to my guy, Gary Seegers, from winningcureseverything.com. Has a very popular YouTube page and also a great podcast he does as well. Gary Seegers, every week with us on Value Bet. Last week, yeah, I missed because I was vacationing in California. Got some great stories about that. Nonetheless, winningcureseverything.com. Gary Seegers will join us. And of course, it's brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings, download the website. Make sure you get locked in with DraftKings, not only for college football, but also the NFL. For the upcoming college basketball season, the NBA, and so much more, DraftKings. They are the sponsor for this segment. They're good to me. I want you to be good to them. DraftKings. Download the website. And also brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD, my last name, H-O-O-D, like the hood of your car, and get 20% off Manscaped. Guys, you know you need help down there. You know I'm talking about below-the-waist men's grooming. It helped me out this week with the misses. I'm just telling you right now. To be streamlined down there, to smell good below the waist, to be able to have all the things that you need, like the Lawnmower 4.0, and smelling good, feeling good. Let me tell you something. It's a game changer. Check it out. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD. Here's Gary Seegers from winningcureseverything.com. Here we go. And there he is, everybody. Gary Seegers from winningcureseverything.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Gary WCE. He joins me here on Value Bet with me, Jonathan Hood. Hello, Gary. Hello, Jonathan. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I, I'm going to tell you something. So, the wife and I um, had a vacation for our anniversary, number 21. Very nice. Some would say 21 too long, but uh, <laughs> but 21 years nonetheless. Anyway, so you know what's really interesting about college football, and you've experienced this yourself, watching sports on the West Coast. We were in San Diego, and I'm used to my central time football. I like I like my football between 11 a.m. and, say, 1.30 in the morning when the Hawaii game's over. You you know that. You've been there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's a little different on a, on a holiday weekend on a Saturday <laughs> when your football's up at about 9.00. Yes. Yes. Now what do we do? (laughs) I love it because it's over by you know midnight, eleven thirty, midnight, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's and then you've got you know 
a nice portion of the evening, a, a few hours before you really got to get in bed. If you're in Vegas or San Diego or uh, wherever, right on the West Coast, yeah. Uh, when you when you started off at nine o'clock, I mean that's a marathon. That you got to be prepped for that. You got to be up and hydrated. You got to get your coffee going at six a.m. Yeah. You got to be ready to roll. So yeah, eleven a.m. games much more my speed. But I do enjoy when I'm out in Vegas and I get to start watching games in the sports books about 11, about nine a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everything kicks off and it, it feels fantastic. Uh, but my God, those late games like it gets really rough once you once you get to chasing Hawaii about eleven thirty at night trying to figure out what's going to happen with the with the Rainbow Warriors, you know. I just I, I felt myself wanting more after because the games are over about I don't know nine Pacific nine thirty now again it is something when you're getting up on West Coast and you're saying oh shit football's on it's nine a.m. okay here we go right you know it's it just it's just different right and so from there it's kind of like well now if it's nine or ten o'clock Pacific it's like well I I want to talk about it now I want to I need if I can't get another game I just want to talk about it so I'm asking my wife said you think Georgia can hold on she says I don't know. So I, I said, so she couldn't fill the gap for me as far as football conversations. So it was just it, it's interesting to be able to different time zone when you're used to your quality eleven a.m. to you know eleven or midnight uh, Central Time. It's just different. So so you got married in the fall, much the way that I did. So my anniversary is on uh, September the tenth, uh-huh. and and my we had to pick a bye week. I am a uh, I am an Alabama fan, so we had to pick a week where Alabama was playing. I believe that day they played Western Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, and we we agreed to this. This was uh, this was our five year anniversary this season. So I, I say this season because it's it was football season. That's you know sure. <laughs> everything's a season to me. Sure, uh, but yes, we we got married on September tenth of two thousand sixteen, and we had a we had several televisions set up throughout the reception hall and whatnot, and during the wedding. I had people that were checking scores on their phones and everything else, and and I was surprised that I was able to get as many of my friends out as I did, considering there. And now, luckily, there was not a ton going on that weekend. I think the biggest game was Tennessee Virginia Tech. That was that Bristol Connecticut game. Mm-hmm. I know that Bristol uh, Bristol Tennessee, like Bristol. the uh, the racetrack. Yeah, and and most people were comfortable with just watching on the TVs that we had at the reception hall. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, it's it's strange when you get to having an anniversary every year in the middle of football season and you have to try and plan around football what, what you're going to be able to do with your wife. Because my wife does not care in the slightest about football anymore. She used to before we got married. And, and now, as I am working in the field more than I was at the time, uh, she she is not a big fan of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I understand it. I totally get it. I, I'll, I'll say this as we get ready for the picks you know, Gary, you and I have a have to have a long conversation about Georgia, Alabama here, as I wear my Georgia shirt proudly here in Chicago. So you and I have to have a long conversation about a possible one loss Georgia team against a one loss Alabama team and then pissing off the nation because that might be the national championship game too. So we might see this, you know, twice. That's very likely. You have a lot more hope in Alabama than I do, my friend. <laughs> I don't think we're even going to get the matchup. I think Auburn's going to beat Alabama uh, in the Iron Bowl. Uh-huh. So either A&M is going to go or Auburn is going to go to the SEC title game. And uh, Alabama will not have to worry about being embarrassed in Atlanta by your dogs. So <laughs> I, uh, I, am not, I am not a big fan of, uh, of what Alabama is doing this season. I don't think they are very good. Uh, now, they're very talented. And whatnot. Mm-hmm. they could prove me wrong. But I think 
I think the Iron Bowl in Jordan Hare Stadium is going to be a disaster for uh, for that offensive line that cannot pass block to save their lives. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not big on it. But we'll see. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, you tell. Yeah, you're talking to a Georgia fan. I you, you don't know the internal and external scars I have on me from from Alabama games. So you you oh, can't can tell me anything. It. I I feel where you're coming from. Okay. I now look. I've been a long term Alabama fan. I've I've got tattoos. I've got all that. My dad went to school down there. Yeah. I grew up in Tuscaloosa in my younger years. Uh, so I went through all the mics. And in the bad years in the the mid nineties up through the mid two thousands, and I still appreciate every single season that we have Nick Saban. It won't be around for long, but yeah, it's uh it's different now than it used to be when we were losing to Tennessee every year and whatnot. So this is this is a whole different ball game now. <laughs> Thank you for saying that, by the way, because the Alabama fans and there's and you'd be surprised how many of them are in Chicago or in the Midwest. There's plenty of Alabama fans, but a lot of them are young Alabama fans that kind of jumped in. Uh, with the shoot, with the Saban regime, I asked him. I said, "Oh, you're a longtime Alabama fan? Oh, absolutely. Tell me about the Dennis Franchione years." <laughs> no, okay, thanks. They got no idea. No idea. <laughs> uh, you got, got any? any you got any? You got any Shula thoughts for me? No, okay, uh, thanks. I could talk about Shula for eight hours if you wanted to sit down and do that. My, I, I ran a blog called Memphis Tider years ago that it exploded because I went through so. Way back when, 2006, when all the, the coaching search that actually led to Nick Saban was going on, mm-hmm. I started tracking planes, and it was myself and several other buddies that started tracking planes that year because that's the year that FlightAware came out. Um, so once that all happened, my website had over a million unique hits in about a two-month time span. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was ridiculous. the amount of, And that's how I even got started in, in any sports media at all was tracking planes. And, and talking to people that would give me information, oh, dude, it's Spurrier. Oh, dude, it's Stoops. And, you know, et cetera. We were tracking planes going to uh, West Virginia and over to Columbia, South Carolina. And we thought we had that thing pegged. And it ended up being saving the whole time. So it was, yeah, that, it, it was a lot of fun. But the Shula stuff, oh, God almighty. Mike Shula. Just unreal. <laughs> so much. It's really great. I, I look forward to seeing how this works. Uh, you and I will have this discussion about a two-loss Alabama team being in the national championship game. We'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, there's got. Yeah, listen, man, listen. No matter what Alabama's box office, I mean, we could talk about this all day, Gary. But you've got to pick up your kid here soon, so you don't have time for this. Yep. All I'm telling you is, is that <laughs> you got you. You, I mean, a two-loss Alabama team. Who would people would rather see that or Cincinnati? Just telling you. Uh- I, yeah, I mean, we, we all know the answer to that, okay. and it's the reason why Alabama would have a shot, even if they were to make the SEC title and lose, uh, so long as it is a relatively close game. Uh, but could you imagine, Georgia fans, if if they were to win the SEC, go undefeated, and then you get to a national championship game where you have to play against a two-loss Alabama team, and then if they were to lose that game, I mean, that would – I could not imagine I mean. uh, the the – cries of foul play just all over the place hey you know what uh you know sec fans 
will be okay with it because they understand it's Alabama. It's it's the non-Power 5 people that bother me, right? Until you can actually beat one of us in the Power 5, uh, since, uh, then, then you have no conversation. This is that this is a shot at Central Florida. This is a central this is a shot at Cincinnati and all these other ones, these you know, these little George Masons that believe believe that they belong. Well, you know, be the power five and when it counts, and then we can talk. Otherwise, you have no conversation. So it it would not surprise me. I'm prepared and I'm braced for anything when it comes to Alabama or Georgia in this title picture. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I did not agree that Cincinnati should have been at number six in those rankings, but I I mean, I see it. I see where they're coming from. You know, you you get the one win over Notre Dame, but Notre Dame has not exactly looked great. They're still a top 10 team, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how you'll be able to get out of this without expanding the playoff, and it looks like that ain't going to happen for quite a while. So we'll, uh, We'll see what happens. This is going to be an interesting end of the season. I mean, we're already into week 10. Yeah. Uh, we've only got 14 regular season Saturdays. And then, and then of course, week 15, we got our championship game. So we're rounding up the, uh, the end of the season. And there ain't a whole lot of time for Cincinnati to make stuff up. So the, uh, the funny part about the rankings, by the way, is, hmm. is the teams that they stack the end of the top 25 with, at, they do it on purpose. There's no reason Mississippi State should be a top 17 team. No. What are we talking about? No. Like it, but they had to do that in order to put Alabama at number two, and then they had to put in a two-loss Fresno State team uh, at number 23 or 20, but whatever it was, yeah. uh, in order to boost Oregon up to number four. So, you know, they, they find ways to, to make these things say what they want them to say, of course. Sure, it's great TV. I understand it. It's a gimmick. <laughs> I get it. Absolutely. It okay. It's a television show. I need, I need your help, Gary Seegers, from winningcureseverything.com. I need your help on a number of these games this week. It's always Let's something interesting like this one. In front of me, I have Tennessee and Kentucky. And I have it here as a pick as we record this. What are your thoughts on this game? Okay. Last week, Kentucky gave up short fields to Mississippi State. They gave up, uh, God, it was the, the highest completion percentage in the SEC game in history to quarterback Will Rogers for Mississippi State. 36 out of 39 passing last week. Uh, but they turned the football over a lot. Kentucky did. And, you know, I I look at these numbers, and what Tennessee is good at, which is running the football, that's what Kentucky is good at stopping. Kentucky number 72 in EPA per pass on defense. And Tennessee doesn't do their damage through the air. They're not great at passing the football. Now, Hendon Hooker is, is better than Joe Milton, but I, I look at this and I, I don't see – the matchup that would get Tennessee across the finish line here. When the line opened up at three, you know, I, I thought Tennessee plus three looks like a pretty good play. I could see the offense is going kind of crazy here. But I I am going to lean Kentucky as a pick especially at home, at night, in Lexington. I, I really trust Kentucky uh, to be able to score some points here. This Tennessee defense is not great. Mississippi State's defense, was able to force some mistakes out of Will Levis and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think this is a get-right game for Will Levis. I'm going to take Kentucky as a pick here. Um, I mean, they, they won this game 34-7 to last season. Uh, I don't, you know, if you want to look at trends, Tennessee is 7-2 against the spread their last nine against Kentucky. But this is a different Tennessee team. This is a different Kentucky team. I, I like Kentucky in the spot. Uh, just br- briefly, Gary, the, the public money – did it, it rush to Tennessee first? How how is the ebb and flow of the money? That's what I want to know. 
So it started out, the public was all over Tennessee, and then the Sharps hit back a little bit with Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's where it's at right now. There's, there's not a lot of action. Right now it's about 50-50. Uh, if you look at the majority of the books across the country. Uh, so it's about right where they want it to be. Uh, there's a lot of people that love what Heifel is doing at Tennessee and whatnot, but that defense still ain't good. And in Kentucky, you know, it's a bit of an overreaction to what Kentucky went through last week in Starkville. But what Kentucky went through last week on the road is exactly what Tennessee's going to have to go through this week on the road. I I kind of like I, I like Kentucky. I think they're just a better football team. Texas will take on Iowa State. Iowa State in front of me here is a six and a half point favorite over under a sixty. How do you see the Longhorns against Iowa State? And should Iowa State be favored by six and a half over anybody? That's why I asked <laughs> because <laughs> I I know there's it's something something wrong with that line. So I was hoping that you could help me. I, Iowa State is uh, let's see one and three against the spread as a home favorite this uh-huh. Um Texas four and one against the spread their last five against Iowa State. They did not cover last season, so they had covered four in a row up until then. Iowa State won this game twenty three to twenty last year in Austin. Uh, the Texas defense is an issue. I mean, it's, they're number 100 in defensive success rate. Uh, Iowa State is number 39 in that metric on the offensive side. I Texas is not great as a road dog, but you start looking at some of these numbers. The biggest problem is Texas's defensive numbers. They are just not a very good defensive football team. Um, you would be surprised. Iowa State has done most of their damage through the air. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock Purdy, they call it Brocktober and whatnot, but I... I look at this as Iowa State wants to be able to run the football, and they should be able to do that against Texas. On the other side, like Texas just has so much more talent, and they are explosive. I I expect Texas to be able to put up enough points here. I mean, I'm going to ride with the Longhorns plus six and a half because I I trust that this will be around a field goal ball game. I mean, that's what it's been the last two years. I expect it to be the same thing here. I don't trust Iowa State to be able to run it up on anybody. I thought there was something wrong with that line, so that's why I asked. <laughs> so, um, Michigan State against Purdue. Boy, what a hell of a ball game. Right here in the covered wagons of the Midwest, they see Michigan, Michigan State. There was a, 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 a that fall feeling, you know, in the 30s and the 40s in the, in the Midwest. I wouldn't know because I was in 80-degree weather in San Diego, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, I'm just painting the picture. Michigan State's a three-point favorite against Purdue. The over-under is 53. Can Michigan State continue their momentum? Uh, so you would think that this would be a letdown spot for Michigan State. The issue is they expect to beat Michigan. If you go back over the last 10 years, they are 7-3 and three straight up after the Michigan game. Uh, they just kind of look at that as, hey, we, we were supposed to win. They didn't rush the field last week like we've seen a lot of teams do when they get big wins. Uh, they just went about their business. Uh, Michigan State has won eight straight in the matchup, but they, this is you know the first time they've met since 2018. Uh, Purdue is four and one against the spread in their last five against them. Uh, my my question here, Purdue, their defense is number ten in EPA per play. Yes, uh, they are really good on the defensive side of the ball. I I do wonder about their offense being able to score against Michigan State's defense. Now Michigan State's defense is good, not great, but you could say the exact same thing about Purdue's offense. What I'm curious about is. We saw Michigan State last week give up some yards through the air against Michigan. And Michigan had not been able to do that uh, really against anybody this season. Kate McNamara was impressive. In this situation, I I wonder if Jeff Brom has a few things drawn up that that he'll be able to take advantage of some holes in that secondary. The Michigan State secondary likes to hit. 
They like to put a pound it on people, but can they cover? I don't know the answer to that question. You look at advanced numbers. My buddy over at uh, CFB-Graphs.com, uh, Parker Fleming, mm-hmm. like he's a big stats guy, and his numbers have actually got this as Purdue as a seven-point favorite. Here. Oh, for I, sakes. <laughs> I am not. Uh, I'm not willing to go that far. I don't trust Purdue. So I'm going to ride Michigan State minus the three because I think they just go about business as usual. And I think that they are able to – I think that they are able to run the football on Purdue even though the numbers would not tell you that. Mm-hmm. I think Kenneth Walker is a different level kind of player. So I'm going to trust him to be able to get him across the finish line here. This may be a little bit of a letdown spot, but I still think Michigan State should cover the three points here. I think they're, they're overall just a better football player. How many how many quarterbacks is Brom using in this game? I'd like to know that as well. I um, think he's going to toss three of them out there. <laughs> that's a, that's a I think point. I think he's going to do them all. <laughs> yes. Like let's roll. <laughs> that's a, I could have swore I, I could have swore maybe it's my TV. I thought I saw a game two weeks ago where all three quarterbacks were involved in one play. So I oh think, yeah. I think I saw that. Um, he's uh, he's got a little bit of trickeration in him, and and that's what makes him dangerous, right? Because you don't know exactly what's going to show up each week. Uh, Austin O'Connell, I believe, is the one that's gonna he's gonna he's gonna fling that thing around a little bit, and and I think that they can have some success through the air, uh, even if you know you look at the numbers, uh, you know Michigan State's not bad against the pass, no. but there are some spots where you can find some holes and, and take advantage of them. The question is, can Purdue do it effectively enough and efficiently enough to uh, to actually win the ball game? And I I don't trust them to be able to do that. Uh, North Carolina will take on Wake Forest. UNC, I have here as a two and a half point favorite, over under 60, uh, rather 76 and a half. I had a question about the over under and just the overall game for this one. So, this was actually one of my picks on the big U.S. college football show. Mm-hmm. I really, really like Wake Forest here, plus the two and a half. Mm-hmm. You, you start diving into numbers. North Carolina is number 86 in opponent QBR. And Sam Hartman should be able to do whatever he wants to do against the Tar Heels here. Um, I think there's going to be points galore, like 76, 76 and a half. I mean, it's a really high total. But you look at what they did last year. North Carolina won this game 59 to 53. Uh, Wake Forest is four and two against the spread. Their last six against North Carolina. I North Carolina not great as a favorite. Three and six against the spread. Their last nine in that role at Wake Forest. You know, I, number seven in net points per drive. That North Carolina's number 62. I don't trust North Carolina. It's, you, you remember the right Reverend uh, uh, Houston Nutt. Yes, I do. And he used to, Houston Nutt used to say, can I trust you? And and I can't trust North Carolina. Not to score points. Uh, not to hang with Wake Forest. At Wake Forest and what they're doing with Dave Clawson's offense is next level kind of stuff. And when you've got a quarterback that is that experience, that is an NFL quarterback, he's going to be in the league next year. I trust them to be able to score points when they get into the red zone, when they get into uh, the 40. I I think that they will score. North Carolina shoots themselves in the foot too many times. I, I think Wake Forest wins this ballgame outright. So you heard it here first. 77 nothing. Wake Forest over North Carolina. <laughs> that's what, pretty much what you just told us there. <laughs> you said, there you go. <laughs> see, the, that that's was my concern. Like, I like Wake Forest too. I like them on the – I like them – on the money line, I like them in the plus two and a half, especially if it holds there. I was just wondering about the total, and you feel like it can go over, even though 
I'm not sure if North Carolina can hang, and that's my concern. So, I think they can hang because the Wake Forest defense is not great mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but North Carolina just makes too many mistakes, and I think that Wake Forest defensive line is going to be able to get to Sam Howell. Uh, and they they have seen Georgia Tech get after him, and and multiple teams get after him. And when you make him uncomfortable, he gets happy feet, and he tends to throw it to the wrong team, and they get short fields. And I think Wake Forest can really take advantage of that. I, this, these two teams put up over 100 points last season. I mean, it was 112 for a, a total. I now you're giving to me 76, 76 and a half. Like, I, there's no reason both these teams shouldn't be in the 40s. So I, I think Wake Forest wins outright, um, and I do like the over here. Uh, I'll. I am not going to play uh, a major play on the total, mm-hmm. but I do like Wake Forest a lot. I think Wake Forest is the better team. What is your NFL game of choice, and why isn't it the Bears and the Steelers? So I've really looked at the Bears and the Steelers, and I, I do like the Bears plus six and a half because I don't trust the Steelers to be able to cover by a touchdown against anybody. Hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm going to ride with uh, with the Patriots, minus three and a half against the Carolina Panthers. Okay. And my situation here is very simple. Uh, New England's defense against Sam Darnold, they're going to put him in a locker. And I don't think Carolina will be able to score at all. Uh-huh. So, so you give me Bill Belichick against a bad quarterback, and and I got no issues here. Like, I think Mac Jones is rounding into form. I think uh, that, that New England Patriots offense is done turning the football over. You look over the past uh, oodle of years, two decades, and Bill Belichick treats the first four games every season as if it were – an extra preseason. He does not care about the first four games of the year. He is trying out all kind of different combinations of players. He is trying out uh, different combinations on the offensive and defensive line, etc. And then once you get to about game five is when they start to figure this stuff out. Well, New England started out the season at one and three, and now they are absolutely rolling. They went into Los Angeles, got them a win last week. They come back across the coast and jump over to Carolina, they're playing on the road, I don't think it matters because I don't think Sam Darnold is all that good. You look at overall DVOA, New England has jumped all the way up to number 13 in total DVOA, uh, that defensive value over adjusted. I I really like New England in this spot, minus three and a half. Uh, the money has kind of come in on Carolina here. I don't care. This is all people that are betting on the wrong side. Y'all betting on the wrong horse if you're going against the Patriots this week. Uh and I think that's because they expect Christian McCaffrey to come back. But you're telling me that Christian McCaffrey, who's been sitting out for weeks, is going to come back against this Patriots defense and actually be effective? Nah. No, no, no. Get out of here with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking New England to cover this one. All right, Gary. Um, and by the way, you, I can bankroll your Christmas if you just keep bet- betting against the Bears. <laughs> yeah, but uh, do you really want to bet on the Steelers? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. I do. I, I uh, Chicago has a a leaky secondary. If you didn't, if you don't know that, go back and watch the San Francisco game and, and other games this year. So a, an aggressive offense, a, a, an aggressive defensive line, and a leaky secondary, and an offense that can't find their ass with their own hands. Um, you know, as far as Justin Fields, he's coming along, but it's still not good enough offensively. Look around the league and then look at Chicago; they're still having a problem scoring. San Francisco's not that good either, but they found a way to win that game last Sunday. So I'm just telling you, like, the only guaranteed win I see on there is the Lions on Thanksgiving. That's all I have for you. Yeah, no, I can could, I could see that. No, I don't know that I expect the Bears to be able to win in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I do think that 
that the Bears will be able to hang close because I don't think that the Steelers can score 20 points on anybody. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're asking Grandpa Ben Roethlisberger to be able to throw the ball down the field, and that man is not helping. I, I don't care yeah. what anybody says. He don't look right, and, and I don't trust him to be able to throw it. So I'm – I mean, I would take the Bears at plus six and a half here if uh, if you made me lean one way or the other. Uh, but as far as against, like, actual teams with good quarterbacks, well, no, I probably wouldn't roll with the Bears in that situation. That's <laughs> not until they fire Matt Nagy. So. <laughs> well, well, thank you very much for that vote of confidence. There it is, everybody. <laughs> there it is. So when they, when they take on Kyler Murray and, you know, and they take on Baltimore, that's going to be an issue for the Bears. Well, there's no question. I'm just, yeah. I mean, the, the defense of the, the secondary is a major problem right now, and that's with the oh, great yeah. Eddie Jackson back there. So it's it's something. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of an issue. It's definitely an issue. Uh, the offense, you know, I, I like Justin Fields. I like, you know, I like his ability. I I don't trust y'all's coaching staff at all. Like, I just, until they get Matt Nagy out of there, I just, I can't, you know. But against the Steelers, the Steelers are not good. So, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just, that just warms the cockles. Don't forget, there you uh, go. <laughs> to, Gary, if I want to find out more about what you do outside of this show, winningcureseverything.com, what would I find? You would find all of the other shows that we do as well. We do three shows a week. We do our college football reaction show on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. And it is my favorite hour and a half of the week because there's no filter. And I can get on and just ramble about all the crap that happened on Saturday and whether or not I'm mad at officials and mad at everybody else. Uh, so, yes, that is the big one on Sundays. You can also find all the other shows that we do. We do an NFL pick show. We do a college football pick show. And you'll find the Bet U.S. college football show on there as well, along with uh, my partner's Sportsbook Review show as well. So lots of stuff over there. All of our podcasts, all of our picks, uh, contests, et cetera, are all right there at winningcureseverything.com. Yes, you can also find Gary's partner who just says, for Halloween, I was just a, a schlub. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Gary had this big buildup about Halloween and this the whole thing. And he threw it to his partner, and his partner says, well, I'm just a, just what I am every year, just a schlub, just a, just a guy. Yes. <laughs> he called himself a brainless moron. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he oh, did. Oh, his family dressed him up as, uh, oh, God, what did he say? It was uh, the Wizard of Oz, so he was the... Uh, Oh, the scarecrow yes. from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes, he's just a brainless oh, moron. God. That's what he said. Yes, that's uh, there he is, and that's, that's the show. He's everybody. ridiculous. <laughs> he, Love him to death. Love Chris to death. <laughs> he's, he's, he's hilarious. He, he is what he is. It's it's authentically him. That's for sure. Um, oh yeah. When he oh, yeah. when he everything dot com, and don't forget to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary W C E. My friend, as always, I appreciate. It. Let's do it again next week. Absolutely, the pleasure's all mine, my friend.